Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. It is a special episode today, as Nick is actually here in person with me in Englewood, New Jersey, in my humble abode. We have a lot to talk to you guys about this week in regards to our Brooklyn Nets. Why did I say live for six minutes and 38 seconds? Have you been on that long? We have not been on that long. I think it starts the second that I turned the link uh, on StreamYard. Interesting. Yeah. Not sure why you would bring up something that the listeners or the viewers can't see. Uh, just uh, make sure our technicalities are all in order. All right. Anything you want to say to me before we get started? Like, hey, bro, how you been? How, how's you no, know, your engagement? You know, how's the new apartment? How's your dog? How's life? Anything? We haven't talked in like months. Yeah, no, I think uh, outside I think of the podcast, starting the podcast is better for me, honestly. Anyway, I like your hat. Thank you. Again, something the listeners can't see is is this nice winter hat I'm wearing, but. Enough semantics. Let's get into it. The Brooklyn Nets have filed trademarks on what I guess we're all calling the Netiverse, indicating that they will be the first NBA team to officially enter the Metaverse. Nick, what do you think about this news? Uh, Pretty uh, unaffected and unfazed by it. I like wordplay. So Netiverse sounds cool. Easy to say. Fun to say. Besides that, great. I just, I don't, I, I, Maybe I understand the metaverse, the concept of it. I get that. I've it's, actually danced in the metaverse. Yeah, were you a good dancer or a bad dancer? Was my avatar a good dancer? They kind of just do like the humping and thrusting thing. So how would a basketball team work in the metaverse? Is that like you can actually sell things? So they can set up some sort of clickable merch memorabilia. It's yes. basically a place to you know you could view art, view music, um, buy NFTs, anything like that. So you can go around and explore, and then you could just create outbound links to other sites and shop. Can I FaceTime with all the players whenever I want? Because that sounds like a feature that should be included in the metaverse. You can only FaceTime with... Javon uh, Carter? Pokey Knockbar. Oh! That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I would sign up for that immediately. You know, I saw Richard Jefferson today on ESPN, uh, and he was introduced. He was with another woman that was a WNBA All-Star, and they go, uh, I'm with WNBA former All-Star, and I forget her name, and former... NBA player Richard Jefferson and he goes oh because I'm not an all-star and she goes oh I'm going to introduce you like that for now on never an all-star Richard Jefferson and he didn't seem too happy about that because there was that year what oh four he averaged 22 points a game or might yeah. be a little closer to 07 well he was on a team USA team people forget that team won bronze yeah um speaking of Richard Jefferson if you guys follow my TikTok Spen Harris I think it is or Spencer Harris I posted uh, a clip of me working out, getting some shots up with a nice 21 Savage track behind it. I tagged Richard Jefferson on that TikTok, and he basically just commented, okay, I see you. That was pretty cool. That was pretty dope, And just to fact check myself, I was right. He did average 22 points a game in 04, but he also averaged 22 points a game in 08, the year before he was traded in that Yee Gian Leon. Let's go with that. Milwaukee Bucks deal. Good on you, Nick. That was a nice little fact check, and I'm, I'm proud that you were right on that. That's why I have you on the podcast. You're a serious asset. Thank you, man. Check out these assets. Speaking of assets, James Harden. Up and down season so far for the Nets. Now we have these trade rumors swirling about. 
Daryl Morey is basically going to hold on to Ben Simmons until the end of the season. He has decided that he's going to try to trade the troubled superstar point guard. And essentially he leaked that he's probably going to try to trade him to the Nets for James Harden. Uh, Recent weeks, in recent weeks, James Harden, basically it was leaked that he's open to relocating this summer. So, you know, we talked about that on last week's podcast, but I I mean, what do you think? I I look at this situation, Nick, and I, I don't see a scenario unless the Brooklyn Nets fall apart, unless Kyrie isn't able to play full game, full, you know, the whole season next year, he's not able to play home. He's able to play home games. Kevin Durant comes back. He's not healthy for some reason. That's why if you're James Harden, you'd want to leave. But outside of that, if you're Sean Marks, you're not making the move for Ben Simmons, are you? I would personally make the move for Ben Simmons, yes. I don't agree with you. Uh, have you watched the last two games? Our defense is horrendous. Harden, for the stats and, and the shots he hits, is our leading our team in turnovers. Ben Simmons is a lockdown defender. Harden and Kyrie, to me, just have too similar of a game sometimes. It almost feels like they're just passing the ball back and forth and taking turns. Is Harden more naturally skilled than Ben Simmons? Yes. But Ben Simmons fills a lot of uh, uh, roles on this team. He he fills a gap in this team. I believe in second chances. I believe Ben Simmons is still approaching his prime, whereas Harden is probably on the decline. So I'm open to it. Would I Am I cool either way? I don't think – honestly, I would enjoy it. I don't think either one will be a, a detriment to the team. I don't think either one will upset me. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I like Ben Simmons. For starters, James Harden did not come here to play a season and then leave or a season and a half because he came here at the midpoint of last season. There's no way this guy who played through a hamstring injury in the playoffs against the Bucs, who for countless games has tried to put this team on his back, this year he has failed to do that on a consistent basis. He just has. He hasn't been the James Harden as of last year, as of, as of years prior. But I don't think this guy is jumping ship to go play with Joel Embiid in, in Philadelphia. I don't know. Embiid's had 30 points. He's been great, like but I don't see it. Games. I don't see it, especially the relationship that he's developed with Kevin Durant again, Kyrie Irvin. He seems to like his home in Brooklyn. On the Sean Marks side, I also don't think that Sean Marks is going to try to break up this trio. And if you move especially James Harden. Especially trio has barely had an opportunity. I know, to I know. And if you move James Harden, you don't sign him to a max, and you try to get Ben Simmons, you've seen – the bad side of what Ben Simmons has brought to Philadelphia. And do you think really putting him with KD and Kyrie is better than just keeping Harden? So I don't see it from either parties. I think this is all smoke and mirrors. That's what my net sources have said. Um, James Harden is not going anywhere this offseason. Okay. That's a bold prediction I'm making. He will be a Brooklyn net next year. Just watch because guess what? If this team goes all the way and they win the championship, there's no way James Harden's jumping ship. And, And I think that, when you're able to get the big three back, I don't think that there's a team in the East still, even with Harden struggles, even with Kyrie Irving playing only away games, I still think the Nets with healthy Kevin Durant, James Harden are the best team in the East. I mean, listen, as long as they don't play like they did last night against the T-Wolves, we're going to be okay as soon as Durant comes back. And where's Joe Harris? God, I feel like he's been gone for three months. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's I know they keep coming out with reports like they're not sure on an update. It seemed pretty like straightforward when it first happened, and now it's also up in the air. I like I'm watching the Nets, I almost forget he's on the team. There's a South Park episode where Butters staunch and I forget who the other us, Scott Malkison, they visit uh, George R.R. Martin, and George R.R. Martin starts telling them about all the Game Game of of Thrones, right? He starts telling them about all the, the, the new plots of Game of Thrones, and there's a lot of floppy wieners involved, and they stay because. He said he ordered pizzas. 
in every few scenes, they'll be like, where's the pizzas? And he'll be like, the pizzas are coming. And then Jon Snow with his big floppy wiener. Anyway, Joe Harris is those pizzas. And they're not going to come for a long time because he, he's recovering from ankle surgery. That was the most obscure reference that I don't think more, less. I, I would say like a tenth of a percent of people on Earth would have any remote idea of what you're talking about. Yeah, but like they were waiting for pizzas. That's the general concept. Okay. All right. You brought up that Timberwolves loss. Let's get into it. 136-125. Um, the Nets lost. The Nets lost. This was a Brooklyn Nets loss. Bad game for James Harden. Really bad uh, shooting from the field. He looked a step slow. And what I hated about this loss is they blamed it on the refs. They they, they kind of said the reason that James Harden didn't have a great game, and, and Nash sort of alluded to this. He called James Harden the poster boy for the refs not calling these fouls. I don't know, man. I, I saw no, a few plays we where – played. And, and by the way, Harden was 4 of 13 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, finished with 13 points. Um, they don't have his free throws up here. I think he went to the line a few times. But that's the 13 points and the net scored 125 is just embarrassing. If you're James Harden and then the other side of this, you mentioned it. No defense was played in this game by the Brooklyn. But Nets. that was that that was two times in a row. There's no defense played against the Spurs either. If you watch both games and we'll get to the Spurs in a couple games, the middle of the floor is always open. We overprotect the perimeter. We spread out. There's no help defense. Anthony Edwards. Uh, who's this guy, Noel, who's nice? I think it's Norvell. Is I it? don't think it's Noel. Yeah, I'll show you. Jared Norvell, is that his name? Uh, where is he? Noel. Oh, you're oh, right. It's Noel. Is it, yeah, what's it's Noel. Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel. Jalen Noel. Uh, uh, Anthony Edwards. D'Angelo Russell, former net. I, I actually do still have some, uh, some D- fond memories. D'Lo finished with 23 and 10. Carl- yep. They were getting anything they wanted in yes. the lane. They yeah. were driving on us through three people, and no one was closing. It almost seemed like every single time the Timberwolves drove, all the Nets players were looking at each other, seeing who else was going to step up and guard. It was embarrassing. Listen, the T-Wolves have improved over the last couple of years. They're still around, what, a 500 team? What's the record? Yeah, 23 and 23. So I don't understand when we've had such decent back-to-back defensive games the last few weeks, these last two games, and it can't just be attributed to Durant because he's missed a lot the past few weeks, our defense is nowhere to be found. Maybe that's why Nash keeps trying to throw in Javon Carter. He's the only guy who seems to be helping on defense, doing face-to-face man, solid off-ball. Everyone else, Harden's looking around for dear life. Kyrie Irving, I know I'm jumping games here, didn't even guard DeJounte Murray, who's arguably an all-star this year for the San Antonio Spurs. So I was watching two back-to-back games, more so in the T-Wolves game, because we beat the Spurs, where no one was closing out, no one was helping on D. Everything the T-Wolves got was easy, that it was almost hard to watch. It wasn't a bad offensive game for us. A lot of fouls for the Brooklyn Nets. The Timberwolves went to the line 31 times. They were 26 of 31. So what would happen is when you play bad defense, you tend to foul teams. When you foul teams, they get in the bonus fairly quickly. So the, so the Timberwolves were in the bonus with like seven minutes left in the second quarter. And if that's the case, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you already lost. Because now every single ticky-tack foul you get, that's two free throws for them. Um, we had no answer for anybody. Let me, I mean, I'm going to go through the box score real quick because everybody on the Timberwolves went off. I mean, Akogi McDaniels is nice. Uh, 
Russell, as I mentioned earlier, 23 points, 10 assists. Carl Anthony Towns had 23 points. We'll get to Carl Anthony Towns taking over this game. And Steve Nash, uh, Steve Nash basically saying, hey, Cat, why don't you go win this game for the Timberwolves? I hate Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Davis had 25 points. He did leave with a significant-looking injury at the end. He limped off the, the court with his uh, – well, he didn't Anthony limp Edwards, off. Not Davis. Anthony Edwards, I'm sorry. Anthony Edwards, his uh, teammates and the coaching staff helped him walk off. That was kind of scary to see. But he had a great game, 25 points. McDaniels had 14 for the Steph Timberwolves. Vanderbilt was decent. Torian Prince. Torian Prince plays the Brooklyn Nets. You know what he does? Six of six from the field, two of two from three for 15 points. The man did not miss a shot. And I used to pray minutes. he wouldn't shoot in Brooklyn. I would Every time he shot, I cringed. And, and Nick brought up uh, Noel, 16 points, six of nine from the field. So the Timberwolves got whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Part of that is these young guys for the Nets. A few games ago, it was Dayron Sharp who got in foul trouble. This game, it was Kessler Edwards. Edwards picked up a ton of fouls in that first half. I think he had four or five fouls going into halftime. Um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge fouled out of this game, and we got a bad game from LaMarcus Aldridge. He was only three of eight from the field, six points. We're not used to him missing a lot of mid-range shots, and that gets this team going, those mid-range shots. So before we get to the the really bad in the fourth quarter, I want to praise Kyrie. He was the only net, and, and Patty Mills. They both showed up in this one. 30 for Kyrie on 11 to 20 from the field. 21 points for Patty Mills. 8 of 15. He was 5 of 10 from three. They were both aggressive in this game. It seems like Irving is allowing James Harden to run the offense for the majority of the game. And then in certain spurts, Irving takes over. And it's weird because there's not a ton of continuity to it. But at well, the, when he does it, it looks pretty. It looks awesome. Like when it's Irvin's like, when, when they give Irvin a few possessions, you know he's going to hit two or three in a row. It's just a matter of when is his heat check, and then boom, we go back to Harden. So here is where the Nets lost the game, in my opinion. Yes, they allowed over 30 points in every single quarter, but I want to say with five minutes left in the fourth, and, and if you were on Nets Twitter, I think everyone agreed with my sentiment. Wow. Steve Nash decides to go small. So he takes out Dayron Sharp, who only has three fouls at this point. He can still play. He puts in James Johnson at the five. Now, James Johnson is an oversized wing. He's tall enough to the point where you can put him on a stretch four, but he can't cover a five. He can't, especially a five as skilled as, and, and talented as Carl Anthony Towns. So what proceeded to happen was Carl Anthony Towns gets the ball, gets uh, draws a foul. James Johnson fouls him. Gets the ball again, sticks a three in Johnson's face. Gets the ball, another possession, wide open kick out to the corner, three for the Timberwolves. Next possession is an and one layup for Carl Anthony Towns. He was responsible for nine straight points. Good man. The second Steve Nash put in James Johnson, that's what happened. It was a six-point game. The Timberwolves blew it open. I, I, I want to support Steve Nash. I want to say that he's a good coach, but there are moments like this you got to chalk it up to a learning experience. Why you think James Johnson is a player that can not only guard Carl Anthony Towns, but he's not a floor spacer. He's not uh, that much better of a three-point shooter than Dayron Sharp, in my opinion. Not that I think Sharp's going to jack him up, but when James Johnson shoots a three, Nick, how confident are you with that's going in? Not very. I'll give James Johnson some credit. He's a veteran leader. He, he makes the right passes. He did have some nice uh, dump-offs underneath. Listen, I mean, I, yes, that's a good point, and apparently all of Nets community backed you up on that. So Bro, I got I got like twenty five yeah. favorites for my tweet, like a thousand interactions. It was it was a good tweet. That's fine, probably the best night of your life. But the point is, uh, it was a lot. It was a lot second more to second that best game. night of my life. The first was when you were born. Go on. There was a lot more to that game. I mean, 
we out turnovered them by 17 to nine. Yeah. Did you watch Harden? He had like three plays where he just lost the ball and it was an easy bucket. I mean, I don't know the exact number statistically of how many turnovers uh, are turned into points overall, but you could see um, obviously turnover. Or you could go to an individual game and see how many points were scored off of turnovers. They literally had like three in a row wide open fast break dunks on us because Harden couldn't hold on to the ball or he tried to do a behind the back move that just loosened, like, lost it and it rolled over to half court and they scooped it up and Anthony Edwards had a nice posterizing dunk. So like, yes, I don't believe Nash made the right call, but we were already at that point down eight to 10. Maybe Nash was just kind of throwing a dart against a, a we wall. We were down six to- with Jim, when he put James Johnson in, there was five to six minutes left and we were down six. You're not going to tell me that if we keep Dayron Sharp in, Carl Anthony Towns doesn't uh, a tribute for nine straight points. Who do you think Dayron Sharp is? He's not James Johnson. He's be- he's the- he's an actual center. Yes, he's a be- a better big than than. Also, James I, I want to point out that those two plays in a row, essentially, where Tory and Prince double dribbled, the refs didn't call it, ended up in a Timberwolves three, and then the very next possession for the T Wolves, they're about to turn it over. They throw it in the back court, and it hits a referee stays in bounds, the T-Wolves get another three-pointer off of that. So this was a bad James Harden game. This was a bad defensive game. This was a bad coaching game. And it was a bad game in, in regards to yeah, getting calls also, from the refs. It's also hard for us to complain about the refs when one of our assistant coaches touched the ball. And that uh... <laughs> and, and that's kind of karma. That's how the NBA works. We, we got away with that call against the Wizards. We didn't get away with, with those uh, opportunities against the Timberwolves. And speaking of Wizards, we're going to go all the way back to that game it was on wednesday night this was a very close game i a mean fun game very I gotta fun say, game the wizards have some guys i mean kcp brad beal of course we love dinwiddie uh kuzma they're all just fun to watch they're they're a cool young up-and-coming team so we were ahead most of this game actually we, we had a 41 point second quarter um Harden Harden looked okay in this one not actually no this was a bad James Harden game we won despite him you got to give love to the Denny of the uh the Israeli I'm sorry Kyrie was on fire in this game he had 30 points 13 of 23 and then LaMarcus Aldridge could not miss 11 of 15 from the field 27 points off the bench in 32 minutes for LaMarcus Aldridge Patty Mills chipped in 17 De'Ron Sharp chatted uh chipped in 14 and then James Harden had 18 9 and 8 on 7 of 21 from the field this game came down to the Wizards making a run in that fourth quarter. They, I don't know if they ever led. Maybe they led by by one or two. But um, the way this game ended, it was the Nets up one with the ball. Kyrie Irving misses a three. Nets get the rebound. James Harden gets the ball. Clock's winding down. Or the shot clock's winding down. I think the Wizards were going to get the ball back with nine or ten seconds left anyway. So Harden drives, goes up for the layup, blocked. By I believe it was uh, Nas Reed who blocked him. He had a pretty good game. Reed, wait, no, it's you're thinking Reed. of uh, the, you know, the T Wolves. Yeah, who? Oh, Harold. I'm sorry, Harold blocked him. Much as Harold. And Harold had a very nice points, uh, very nice game for the T Wolves. 14 points for him. So he blocks Harden. Wizards get the ball back. Two chances. Kuzma gets a chance from three, misses, and then wouldn't you know it? Former Brooklyn Net Spencer Dinwiddie with a shot to beat the Brooklyn Nets in Washington. He misses no good. The Nets hold on for a one-point victory. Um, I love Dinwiddie, but he's shooting sub 40% this year. He, he's kind of yeah. hucking and chucking and not hitting as much. I honestly, at this point, trust Kuzma in the clutch, given the big shots he's hit this season. So, listen, everyone's going to point out in this game that our assistant coach, with like six minutes left, touched the ball. David Vanterpool. You got to find 10K. He touched a ball that uh, I think Kuzma passed to the corner. No, so no, no. Kuzma. Someone passed it to Kuzma. To Kuzma. 
Yeah. And, and he got a hand on it, and it yep. ended up resulting in a turnover. And Bad look, the by game. the way. Bad look if you're Vanderpool. I mean, the but refs didn't call it. They didn't call it. But come on. Freaking Wizards had three chances with 45 seconds left to beat us, and your three best players couldn't hit one shot. I don't feel bad for you. No, right? I, I don't. It was feel bad and, at all. Uh, uh, and Dinwiddie, who all had an opportunity. Um, this is a fun game. Uh, another 30-point Kyrie Irving performance. I mean, he looks like he hasn't missed a beat. He just comes in and he takes did, over offensively. Did you see what he said after the Timberwolves game? No. He, th- he said he thinks he's cr- slowly crawling into his prime. That's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. I mean, sick he's hitting shots everywhere. And this is our second game in a row, uh, if we include this T-Wolves game, shooting over 50%. We shot 53% against the Wizards, and then we shot – We got the Spurs in between, so it's not going to be in a row. Oh, it's like the second game we're talking about in a row right. where we're shooting a great percentage. Obviously, the T-Wolves outshot us, but a great shooting night overall from the team, 48% against the Spurs that we're about to get to. So we've been great offensively, but the thing is we're letting up too many points on defense. So like a team like the Wizards, who – better than they've been in previous years and granted we're missing Harrison Durant had a chance to beat us they shouldn't the T-Wolves again like I said and a slightly above average team this year they shouldn't be beating us they shouldn't be putting up that many points so it almost feels like besides criticizing Harden and somewhat Nash it, it all keeps seem to coming back to our defense and inability to t- stop teams from scoring in my opinion and here has been the tough thing with James Harden right we talked about his poor performance against the Timberwolves this was not a great game for him either. 18 points in, in, in nearly 40 minutes. He did not hit a three-point shot in this one. Um, and then you mix in that. But but then you have a game like the Spurs game we're about to get to where Harden goes off. So it's tough. You don't know on a nightly basis which James Harden you're going to get. Are you going to get the James Harden that can't hit from the field, that looks a step slow, that's getting stuffed at the rim, that's not getting the foul calls, or are you going to get the masterful James Harden who has the ball on a string, who finds wide open guys, and is able to score 37 in his sleep? I think it depends if you went to the strip club the night before or not. Is that a, is that a James Harden goes to strip club jokes? Because that was very not subtle. He likes to party. Who doesn't like to party? Just I mean, like dude, with your friends and family, I mean. I, you know. Speaking of cold streaks, have you seen Steph Curry? Yeah, but they won yesterday. See, and that's the other thing. The Warriors are so good. I was thinking about this. They can win. On nights where Curry's bad, they can they can take it, you know. D- despite cold nights from Steph Curry, ironically, the, the Nets. The Warriors win. also have the best defense in the league. No, I understand. That's but that's what I'm saying. The Warriors' identity is that they're a defensive juggernaut with a bunch of guys on offense who can score the ball. And Steph Curry doesn't need the ball in his hands to be great. When when I watch the Nets play, James Harden has the ball in his hands so often. When he's elite, you love it. Because it's automatic points pretty much every possession. When he's struggling like he did against the Timberwolves, like he did against the Wizards, he takes the intensity out of so many possessions because all the other Nets players are watching him dribble, 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 pick, roll to the rim, shot, whatever. It's harder to get back on defense. And I think that gives teams an edge when we're we're not wasting these possessions, but it's harder for the Nets to have that you know, effort, desire to want to play D and want to crash the boards when Harden is struggling like he has been. Yeah. And, and and my point is it, it's harder. It's harder for the Nets to win when Harden is struggling because he has the ball in his hands so often. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course. I just want to give a quick update on Joe Harris uh, that came out yesterday, uh, January 23rd at 430 um, from Brian Lewis, uh, basically saying he's been dealing with some irritation as he works his way back. Uh, they did not expect it to be this bad. Uh, he's been doing a bit of a tug of war between making progress and then having more irritation. 
It's really a process that's been tricky, says coach Steve Nash. Harris has been out since November 14th, and I think they said it would be about six to eight weeks. Now we're approaching kind of eight to nine weeks, and he still isn't even allowed to practice. So just wanted to give a quick update on our boy Joe Harris. Wish him a speedy recovery. You'd think the best doctors in the world working for like billion-dollar organizations would be able to give us a little bit better of a timetable uh, and do a better job than, you know, my PT that still won't let me jump on my Achilles. So let's hope for the best. Is there any way that we can send Joe Harris to the Netiverse quickly and they can fix this um, this issue he has? No. Okay. All right, we're going to move on to the final game this week we haven't talked about. It was actually the one win in the last three games. I'm sorry, the second win because we did – I keep forgetting we won that Wizards game. It felt like a loss. It was so close. We beat the Spurs on Friday, 117 to 102. This was a huge night for Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge, not necessarily – Performance-wise, I don't think they they had. Could you read their their stats to me? Aldridge had sixteen and seven. So Aldridge uh, had a nice night. Mills had a pretty quiet. Mills night. is okay, nine yeah. and four. But this was a night where we got elite James Harden. We had the James Harden from last year: thirty-seven points, eleven assists, ten rebounds, thirteen of twenty-four from the field, four of eight. And you tack on the fact that we got a twenty-four point burger from Kyrie Irving in thirty-five minutes. You don't need much other production. You, you just don't. That's enough for me. Okay, but that's also enough against a pretty lowly Spurs team. Like, yes. like I feel like we pr- played pretty similarly against the Spurs and the T Wolves. Honestly, it's just the T Wolves had a lot more weapons uh, on offense that we couldn't stop. I, mean, I disagree. I, th- I think the Spurs and the T Wolves are, are very similar organizations. Are you kidding? Compare the best players on the Spurs to the best players on the T Wolves. I'm Dejounte Murray, great player. I'd still rather have D'Angelo Russell, KAT, and arguably Anthony Edwards at this point, just because of the franchise potential. And then who after that is even relevant? I'm not. I don't want Derek White. I don't want Keldon Johnson. I don't want Bates Diop. Doug McDermott, great dude. Don't want him. Pirtle, don't want him. So you're telling me on a T-Wolves team that has a pretty dope trio, and then they're building players like Jalen Noel. Uh, uh, was it Josh McDaniels? Is that his name? These athletic players. Like, how can you tell me the Spurs are even comparable? I don't think it's Josh McDaniels. I think you're thinking of another guy. Uh, it's Jaden McDaniels. Okay. Jaden McDaniels. You're thinking of Josh McRoberts. No. Who was an old player from Duke. I was thinking of Dylan yeah. McDermott and you, Doug Mor- Don- Dermot Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. Um, no, I, I think that's a crazy take to say the Spurs are similar. I mean, also look at their records. The Spurs are 17 and 29. The T-Wolves are 23 and 23. So I'll, I'll, I'm humbled. I, I'll give you that argument. But I think the Spurs are an up-and-coming team with enough young talent that they usually – they give the Nets a run for their money every time those two teams play. So my, my point being – they have the best coach in NBA history. If you had gotten a game like this against the Timberwolves from Harden, it might have been a different story. But this was a great homecoming for Patty Mills and LaMarcus Aldridge in terms of just getting the win. There was a nice embrace that that uh, they both had with, with Pop before the game. And then when it got down to it, the Nets the Nets just flexed their muscles in this one, and, and they, they pretty much dominated for the majority of this game. There was one downside to me, uh, besides just, again, middle of the court, open, open, open. DeJounte Murray had 25, 12, and 10. Triple double. He's been putting up great numbers all the year. So it's not wasn't like a an anomaly that he only crushed it against us. But he was getting like they'd set a high pick on the on the middle perimeter, and he would just have to take one step. We'd get fooled by the in out uh, one two with the big man. We'd get two guys hovering over to uh, probably Pirtle most of the time, or whoever's setting that Yaka top screen. Who's who who stuffed the shit out of uh, Dayron Sharp? He, he did, yeah. But 
DeJounte Murray was getting these wide open elbow jumpers, top of the key. He was just kind of doing these little floaters in the paint. Again, a big problem with the middle and the and, uh, and down near the paint, leaving it wide open. Well, and I'll also say yeah. the announcers made a good point in this game. Kyrie Irving does not know the DeJounte Murray of 2022 right. or 2021. He hasn't played him in a long time. He was giving him three feet on three pointers. And, and, and Murray, Murray was, was crushing him. And you hear the announcers saying like, does does Irving know who he's guarding? This isn't just a random young guy on, on this uh, uh, right. kind of rebuild Spurs team. So, again, defensive mistakes. We won by 15, and I'll literally say it's just because we have superior talent to the Spurs team. Um, but, again, I know we disagreed on this. I'm going to compare it to the T-Wolves. Did well on offense. Because they had more talent, they were able to score more, be more efficient. It didn't matter how great our offense was. Nick, you consider yourself a, a pretty intelligent fella. Am I right? Sure. Who do the Nets not have right now on their roster? Yeah, KD. No, who else? JH. Who's a room protector who has not played these last few games? Nikki Clax machine? Nikki Claxton. They don't have one of their their best room protectors. Well, according to you, Daron Sharp would have won the game. Daron Sharp's good enough. He's good enough, but you know, he's he's a young raw talent. LaMarcus Aldridge, when he comes in there, don't get me wrong, he is the most deadly big man from mid-range in the game. I don't according to Carl Anthony Towns, Carl Anthony Towns is the best shooting big man ever. I mean, he's Wasn't pretty the good. Take of all time. He's pretty good. Dirk I, was like, "All right, <laughs> no." But as far as in terms of efficiency, I think Aldridge literally has the highest rated mid range shot right now out of every big man. He is not a rim protector at this at this point in his career. He's he old. is very he's tough on defense. Solo. So once you get, I'm not as worried about that as you are. I think once you get Claxton back, that uh, rim protection will, will sort of. You know, it'll it'll come to form a little bit, and the Nets will be able to protect the paint slightly better than they have. But, yeah, I, I, the Nets' perimeter defense with Harden and Curry, as great as those guys are on offense, more, more Irvin consistently than, than Harden recently, defensively they both have their flaws, and, and they both sort of miss assignments on, on occasion. Um, in that Wizards game, Kuzma hit a huge three, and Harden was just nowhere to be – like he kind of let Kuzma go in the corner and 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 – be wide open essentially went well that it was a huge shot that i think put the wizards up one or or tied the game but no i i think that the nets do have a problem protecting the paint i think that'll get better when they get clacks back and that sort of brings me to this next point the nets and paul Millsap apparently uh, you know have decided to part ways Millsap's going to try to find an opportunity elsewhere i think the nets are going to try to trade him by the deadline uh what did you think about that news were you surprised shocked Millsap was never really able to find a role with this Brooklyn Nets team, you know, it, despite the fact that they do have issues at, at the four and the five, they never really wanted to give Millsap a legitimate chance. This was weird to me. Like, okay, I'm looking at, he averaged 11 minutes a game, three points a game, 37% from the field. Pretty shitty numbers compared to his career, obviously, uh, uh, having some fantastic years on the Nuggets. Uh, and then where was he before that? I don't remember. He's been um, on the Nuggets was forever. It, was on the Nuggets? Oh, Utah. Was he in Utah yeah, for a yeah, second? Yeah, exactly. He was on Utah as well. So, I'm a little confused by his some of the stuff he said as well. He was on the Nuggets for four years, then Atlanta for four years, and he was on Utah for the first like seven of his career. Millsap's old. I was under the impression Millsap was accepting a small role on this Nets team because he wanted to go in pursuit of a championship. Yes. So he comes here. He gets 11 minutes per game. Listen, that's that's not a great uh, amount of time for anybody who who thinks they're good enough to to be a a scorer, to be an integral part of a winning team. 11 minutes is pretty decent given this stack Nets roster. And Millsap looked a step slow. He was shooting it pretty underwhelmingly at 37%. His defense isn't what it used to be. So 
What did he say? He said something like, I knew the first day of practice when I showed up and Durant compared me to Christian Feliciano, that it wasn't a good fit, which is kind of a funny roast on Durant's part. a very funny roast. But I don't know. Millsap said he wants to go somewhere until he plays a bigger part on the team. So Millsap would rather go somewhere, get more minutes on a theoretical shitty team, because where's he going to go where he's going to get more minutes? Not a better team than the Nets. So say he jumps to, again, it's all hypothetical, a Pistons team where he's getting 30 minutes a game because the Pistons are so absolutely horrendous. You have no shot of being on a winning team or a championship contention team. So confused by the move because I thought he was just kind of doing like a James Johnson, even an Aldridge move. Now, obviously, Aldridge is a huge contributor, but he obviously came to the Nets in pursuit of a championship given the Spurs rebuild. So why is Millsap complaining about not getting time and wanting to be a bigger factor when he's, what, 36 and should probably just be trying to jump on a stacked team and win? Here's here's my whole thing with this. I never liked the Millsap signing. I never thought he his game really fit with what the Nets needed. The Nets need one of two things. They either need a presence down low, sort of like what Dayron Sharp and Nick Claxton do for them right now. And obviously Sharp was the surprise there, and, and no one really knew if Claxton could consistently be that presence down low. They also need, you know, yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge is great. Don't get me wrong, but they need a, a, a stretch four. They need someone who can come in, can hit the open three and can bang and is, and is quick and is athletic. More bang bros. Paul Millsap is none of those things. Paul Millsap is a very slow paced player. Doesn't have a great outside shot. Isn't really, uh, I'm going to bang for, for this rebound and that. Re- I mean, he gets a few rebounds, but he's, he's not covering five. He's not a five. He's not really a, a guy you should play at the center position. And I think what Sean Marks did, Nick is Sean Marks said, I'm going to go into this season with Nick Claxton, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Aldridge, Dayron Sharp, Paul Millsap, these guys are all going to compete. And Kevin Durant's technically, he plays the four a lot. These guys are all going to be my big men, and I'm going to see what makes the most sense. Now, Blake has been really up and down, but he was here last year, and you kind of trust what he gave you last year, even though he's underperformed this year. Aldridge, like you said, has been great. Claxton and Sharp have so much potential. Unfortunately, Millsap was always the odd man out. And that is why it just never made sense when they brought him in. I never thought he was going to play a lot of minutes. And when I saw Nets Nets Twitter, you know, oh, well he should have played more this and that. Who's he going to play over? Why would he play over Blake Griffin? He doesn't give you that toughness. He's not diving on the the floor for loose balls that Griffin gives you. He's not as good of a mid-range shooter as Aldridge. He doesn't do the little things anymore that that Sharp and Claxton can do. So I it just never made sense to me. And and when they they announced they were parting ways with him, I, I said good for him. He deserves to go somewhere where he can play more cuz it was never going to be Brooklyn. Just to give two updates. And this is just crazy to me because I don't think he's going to get that many minutes on either one of these teams. Uh, the Dewindy City report suggests Chicago Bulls could acquire Paul Millsap. Okay. And Heavy says Warriors may trade for four-time All-Star Paul Millsap. So why are arguably the best two teams in their conferences trying to get Paul Millsap when Paul Millsap wants to be an integral part of, of if he wants more minutes? Because maybe they have a, a role for him. The Nets don't have a role for him. He His game doesn't mesh with any of the things we do. He's actually a player who needs the ball in his hands a lot. I mean, listen. And, and we don't want to give him the ball. Anybody could see the Warriors. Anybody could mesh with the Warriors. Because yes. the Warriors are just an unbelievably selfish, chemistry-focused, off-ball movement team. Could Timothy Luau Who's he going to replace on the Bulls? The, the Bulls have a the nice answer, yes. roster. I don't think he fits in with that Bulls team whatsoever. Uh but I could see him being a part of the Warriors with Wiseman out and them having a, a kind of a heavy rotation right now. But 
I don't know, man. I, I wonder what Millsap's expectations are for jumping on a team because if I'm a coach of any organization, especially Nets, Warriors, Bulls, who are all championship contenders, I don't want the ball in Millsap's hands that much as a 36-year-old shooting sub 40% at this point in his career. All respect to Millsap and his pretty well, you know, reputable career. If you want to let Millsap sort of be a co-anchor in your second unit, that's what makes sense to me. But the Nets were never going to allow him to do that. Which is why his minutes just were sporadic and he never worked here. I get it. I get it. All right. All move right. on from Paul Bills up. A few more seconds before we round out the pod. Uh, this is a real quick one. Saw the Washington Wizards might be moving Spencer Dinwiddie before the trade deadline. He's not fit. Yeah? You don't think the Nets should bring him back? Oh, for the Nets. For I the thought Nets. I was saying for the Wizards. No, bring back Dinwiddie for the Nets. I'd be cool if Dinwiddie coming back. Hell yeah, yo. He, by the way, he had a bad game against us the other day. He, was oh, like he is on such a better Kessler Edwards. No, I would I would love Spencer Dinwiddie on this team. I think that the the Nets should trade Javon Carter and maybe James Johnson and bring back Spencer Dinwiddie. I support it. That's extremely uh, ridiculous, but any anything. Sean Marks is a genius, and in Sean Marks, I trust. All right, um, real fast before we get to this this Lakers Nuggets prediction, I just wanted to shout out Kessler Edwards. I think that Edwards has been such a delight for the Brooklyn Nets. He's a six, nine small forward slash power forward hybrid who can shoot the ball. He can shoot the three. He's a great defender. He got in foul trouble against the Timberwolves. He'll get better at that, but he is a player that the Nets desperately need on this roster because without, without Joe Harris, it is just Patty Mills who is a, who is a knockdown three point shooter. And then everybody else is, a little bit, you don't know what you're going to get. Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, Javon Carter, these guys are not great three-point shooters. They're just not. So, And, and Aldridge is, is okay, but outside, outside of the people I just named, there's no one else on this team that really takes threes. Not talking about Harden and Kyrie. You know what they're going to give you from the field. Uh, and, and Kevin Durant, of course. But I think that Edwards has been such a nice, nice pickup for the Nets. He was a great draft pick by Sean Marks. Um, and in my opinion, I put out a poll a week or two ago, who is the best rookie so far? Kessler Edwards won uh, by a large margin on, Day- the, Nets. on the Nets. Oh. <laughs> Dayron Sharp was second. Cam Thomas was was third, and, and David Duke Jr. was fourth. Really, I would expect Cam Thomas to be above. No, all, Sharp. Sharp's been good. Sharp had ten rebounds the other day. I think against the Spurs. Yeah. All right. Uh, Lakers Nuggets prediction: The Nets play the Lakers uh, Tuesday at home. So if you're listening Tuesday, that's today, and then they play the Nuggets Wednesday at home. Uh, give me your predictions for those two games. Uh not super optimistic about Tuesday, given the fact that Anthony Davis was just upgraded to probable. So the Lakers gain AD and we lose Kyrie because we're back home. Um, so uh, I'm going to still take a Nets prediction because I don't think we ever take losing predictions. So it's going to be a squeaker down to the wire. And um, Kessler Edwards hits a game-winning uh, floater over AD 114 to 107. Uh, that wouldn't be a game-winner. 114 to 113. Uh, what about the Nuggets game? When's that? Sunday? No, that's Wednesday. It's a back-to-back. Oh, oh. shit. Nah. Uh, yeah, we're going to win that one, too. Kessler Edwards, uh, buzzer beater <laughs> <laughs> over Nikola Jokic. Uh, 124 to 123. Yeah, you're just here at the lights of the podcast with. I think the Nets will go one on one in this homestand. I think let's that, make a deal. If Kessler Edwards hits a game winner in one of those shots, you have to do the next podcast shirtless. Done deal. Kessler Edwards game winner. I'm doing the pod shirtless. Um, I think the Nets split. I think they'll maybe beat the Lakers, but they'll lose to the Nuggets or vice versa. I, I don't think there's a way that the Nets will lose back to back games at home. 
Although they have, I, I don't think that they will. I think that Harden, Harden tends to show up in these games against teams with MVP-type players like LeBron James, like Nikola Jokic. I, I think that the Nets will at least take one, but it's going to be tough to take two, especially given the back-to-back. Uh, all right, and then finally, Nick, right before we end this show, I want to give a shout-out to Chris Mulholland. Chris is a writer for Nets Daily. If you don't follow him on, on Twitter, give him a follow. He's, he's verified. Uh, me and Chris have been talking for a few months about our love for, for pizza in New Jersey, and we organized a pizza crawl this past Saturday. We went to three places. The first was Rascos in, in Edgewater, New Jersey. We had the plain slice there. The second was Pizza Side in Cliffside Park. If you like Detroit-style pizza, Pizza Side has delicious Detroit-style pizza, but we were doing sort of a, a plain pizza slice crawl, so we had the margarita there. Even though the margarita is not plain, I think it's it's pretty damn close to plain. Uh, and then that was in Cliffside Park. And then the third place we went to was Urban Tomato in Palisades Park. Dave Portnoy gave it an 8.1. We got their plain slice as well. So if you're interested in, in seeing how we scored those three places, check out our, our Twitter pages, subscribe to our YouTube and give us all the, the likes and follows in the world, and you can see the how we how we graded each place. Oh yeah, dude, good for you guys. It was awesome, and Chris is a great kid. We had a blast. Um, you know, I think he's one of the better guys who cover the Nets out there. He, he's at every press conference. He, he live tweets the game. I don't want to, you know, toot his his horn too much, but he, he was the light to get pizza with. And I think I've said the word delight four times on this podcast now. Yeah, we should probably close after that. All right, Nick, uh, I, I guess thank you for, for, for coming here and doing the podcast live with me. As always, catch you on the fireside. They shouldn't hear us say one, two, three. You should like do that like mountain or something. Like, one, two, or at least like a five, six, seven, eight. You ruined it. <laughs>